10, 9, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This is Tim Staten with Tim Stating the Obvious. What is this podcast about? It's simple. You are entitled to great leadership everywhere you go, whether it's to church, whether it's to work, whether it's at your house, you are entitled to great leadership. And so in this podcast, we take leadership principles and theories and turn them into everyday relatable and usable advice. Hey, and welcome to uh, this episode of Tim Stating the Obvious, where this is our first live episode. So uh, everyone who joined the room, thank you for coming in uh, and, and listening to this episode. It's our first live one. So we'll see how it goes. Um, and in this topic, uh, we're going to be talking about how last year it was really rough on a lot of different people. Uh, and this year, you know, is a little bit different because the world's normalizing and we're getting back into the swing of things. And as leaders, we need to realize that we're going through some tough times and that can be hard on people. And in this live session, we're going to discuss, even though it was difficult and uncomfortable, we're better off. Hey, and uh, Will from, you know, the uh, red carpet, thanks for coming in. So for everyone who's listening, Will is uh, my barber. He's an excellent, um, you know, barber, but he's more than just a barber. He's a friend, right? So uh, I met Will uh, just a little bit over a year ago, and uh, he's been, you know, cutting my hair since then. And today he actually, you know, shared with me a a story uh, that happened to him uh I guess this last week or last two weeks. And, you know, it, it resonates for, you know, what this topic is really about. And it just happened to coincide, um, you know, that we're just doing this live episode today. And he shared it before I even talked to him about it, um, about going live today. So, you know, what, here's a couple things that we've learned before we get into that story. Here's a couple things that we've learned this past year. We have become more fearful and risk adverse in our, in our culture, in our society. And what I mean by that is, you know, um, if someone comes in the workplace or they, you know, your kid goes to school and they have a cough and they're sneezing immediately, oh, it's COVID related. Let's send them home. Well, maybe they got allergies. Maybe they just don't feel good. It's not COVID related, right? Could be, but we're so risk adverse that we'd rather send somebody away and isolate them just because they have a minor flaw or deficiency of a cough or a sneeze. And we're so fearful that, oh, we're going to spread this thing around. And and that creates an isolationist uh, mentality. So the other thing too, right? So schools got canceled recently this past year for a thunderstorm, right? So in, in all my years, I have never, ever, ever heard of school getting canceled for kids for a thunderstorm, maybe a snowstorm or two. You know, if you live up north, yeah, like when I lived up near in northern New York, near Canada, like we'd get like one or two feet of snow a day and kids were still going to school. You know, and then I, I grew up in the south. If they even talked about snow, the whole town would shut down. You couldn't buy bread, milk or butter or peanut butter for like a week and a half because everyone just bought it out. But, you know, a thunderstorm, I have never, ever, ever heard of anything getting canceled for a thunderstorm. Um, also, you know, 
we we because we're so risk adverse, we create these policies that sound like they're making people feel safe, but they're really idiotic. Um, you know, and, and I'll point out the one at the airport, right? So as you're going to the airport, and if you've traveled recently, you you can attest to this, right? So you're you're in the airport and you got to maintain six feet of separation between you and the person in front of you by the little footprints and lines on the airport to hand in your baggage. And yet you're only four feet from the person you're talking to who's weighing your bag, but you're wearing a face mask. So that's okay. Then you go through the security and you're six feet away. You're in the waiting area and seats are blocked off. They're six feet apart from each other, but yet you get on the plane and you sit 12 inches next to the person to you on the plane and you're in a more air constricted place but yet you know we create these policies to make people feel safer but yet they're idiotic because it doesn't really do anything other than make people feel safer um you know and because we're so risk adverse and fearful we fall for these and we accept it now i don't know why uh but we do on there so you know the other thing that we've learned this past year is that people suffer in silence. And, you know, this is where Will story comes in to play. Uh, he had a worker um, and will please correct me if, if I'm saying this wrong, but he had a worker who was in a abusive relationship and it came to the point where this person, when they came to work, they're coming with bruises and, you know, and there he gave advice on, Hey, look, you know, you, you probably should stop seeing this person. You should probably keep your distance. It's not safe for you. And then it got to the point where he was like, hey, look, I, I don't want to see this person that you're in a relationship with come to work. OK, because if you bring this drama to work, it's not good for the business and it's definitely not good for you. And you're not listening to the advice anyway. Well, then this worker got really upset and decided that they want to quit. Which, you know, in hindsight, looking at this, you've got you've got two different points of views. You've got the point of view from the individual who is obviously, no matter what you say to anybody who's in an abusive relationship, until that person is ready to leave, they're going to continue to take whatever it is that they're taking because they don't feel the self-worth enough that they deserve better. So, um, you know, I've had tons of friends who were in abusive relationships and you know what bottom line is they're going to continue to take it until they decide they want to leave. And there's nothing you can do that's going to change their mind. There's no amount of advice that you can say that's going to make them change their mind. All you can do is be there for them and encourage them along the way because they will suffer in silence because they don't want anybody else to know about it when it does get bad. Now you have the other side, the, you know, supervisor to employee relationship or boss to employee relationship where you say, okay, um, you're, you're creating an environment in the workplace that is unprofessional. You're now creating an environment in the workplace where if other people come in who are not normal clients of this place, they may feel some type of way about this and may not come back. And they may tell other people, hey, yo, when I went to this one place, you know, I saw this and it was not okay. So I don't know if you want to go there or not, but, 
you know, and that gets spread out around there. So, you know, when you, you take a look at it all, it all comes into the ability of bottom line day is that if you work at a place, it is a business. And yes, we need to have empathy for people. And so there's a difference between empathy and sympathy, right? Sympathy is like you actually kind of feel what that other person's feeling and you put yourself there. Empathy is where you can see where that other person's coming from, but you don't feel what they feel. And you go, you know what? This may be really, really hard for you. This may be uh, something difficult that you're going on. And I see that you're going on with it. But if they're not willing to meet you halfway, then sometimes it's better off if you do split ways. And it's hard, right? So as leaders, we invest into people because we want to see people thrive and succeed and get better. You know, why else would you, one, hire them? Because initially you hire them because, okay, yeah, they have something to offer the business. But two, as you get to know that person, you get to realize, okay, they may not be some, they not be strong in some suits, but let me help build them up. Let me help get them better because the better they are, the better our business is. And collectively we can be a better organization. So you start investing into this person. So as you invest into this person, you know, you're, you're really helping them get better. And then when someone at the end of the day goes, you know what? Yeah. I'm not okay with this. I'm leaving just because they feel slighted in some way. You as a leader, you know, you feel some type of way about that too, because you're a human, right? You have emotions. You empathize with that person and what they're going through, but yet you feel like, yo, I just invested so much time and effort into this person and they just walked away. Like it was no big deal. How is this okay? And unfortunately, You know, sometimes that does happen, but the things that we go through and the hard times that we go through turn us into the people that we are today. Um, You know, there's nothing wrong with investing in people. And, you know, recently this past week, I'm reminded of a, another story where uh, we went to Buffalo Wild Wings. So at my job, when somebody decides that uh, it's no longer them for them to work there and they want to leave and they give their notice and we know that they're going to be leaving. We schedule a lunch and we celebrate with them that of their success. Like, Hey, you know what? You've done everything you can do here. You need to move up and move on into better places and to better situations. So by having them uh, move on, we're celebrating with them. Yeah. It's sad to see them go, but we're also celebrating their success. And while we were there at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, the, uh, there was one waitress there for the entire restaurant. And she was, she was actually like frazzled that the 30 of us were in there getting ready to eat because she also had, you know, five or six other tables. And she was worried that she wasn't going to do enough service and that we would get upset and all these other things that, you know, I viewed as kind of irrational. Like, why would you be upset? there's 30 of us. We came into your restaurant. We know there's one of you and you think that we're going to get upset with you because you're not providing stellar service because you're one person for 45 other people to feed and get drinks and wait on. Um, so I pulled the waitress aside. I said, Hey, look, you know, whatever you're going through, 
I get it that you're stressed with work and everything else. But the good thing is you have a job. The other thing is, is we're not the type of people that are going to get upset because we have to wait. We know there's 30 of us and no one here is trying to get back to work anytime soon because we're taking this time to celebrate with this person who is moving on. Um, and so it just, it just dawned on me that, you know, you never know what people are going through and they do suffer in silence. And it's sad. It's sad that, you know, people want to suffer in silence because either they feel like they can't reach out to other people or generally people just don't care. People are just not telling them uh, that they care enough or show signs that they care enough. And that affects the workplace because a person who is mentally not at work and who is mentally somewhere else does that person no good because now they're underperforming because they're thinking about other things and they're, you know, they're just not there. Then it doesn't help the organization because other people have to cover down on the slack that that person is underperforming on and they get frustrated. And then it also creates a perception of that organization that they all underperform because people are covering down on other people's duties and responsibilities. So I think, you know, if we, learn to talk to people a little bit better. And if we learn to really reach out as leaders and empathize with people and realize that we're all human beings, we all go through things and things are not as bad as they might seem in the moment, right? Some things are really bad. Don't get me wrong. Some things are horribly bad, but overall, you know, Nietzsche said, uh, if you don't know who Frederick Nietzsche is, you should probably look him up. He's a great dude. Uh, He said, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And, you know, COVID really kind of proved that this past year, right? So for a lot of people who got sick, uh, they got better and they moved on. If you got the flu, you got sick, you got better, you moved on, right? So biology teaches us through the antibodies that fight off the infection or disease that, yeah, you got sick and it took you down for a little bit, but you actually now have a resistance to it long-term. You had to suffer short-term so you could get long-term benefits out of it. So when you look at that, um, you know, I would say that if you are suffering in silence, let somebody know. It helps lessen that burden and you're going to be okay. Like you're going to get through it and you're going to come out on the other side. And you're going to be better off for it because now you know your your threshold. You know what you can go through. You know what you can tolerate. You know yourself a little bit better. And you know what puts you in that situation. And you know, you know what? You could tell yourself, I recognize these signs and I'm heading down this path again. I'm not going to do that because it didn't feel good. I'm going to avoid this altogether because it wasn't okay for me. And then, you know, Jerry Falwell, the late Jerry Falwell said, your greatness is determined by what discourages you. So if you get discouraged, super easy, you're not going to achieve anything because every little road bump that comes in your way is going to prevent you from overcoming that hurdle, right? So it's amazing that, you know, thinking back on a lot of the hard times that uh, I had in my past and I've, and I've gone through personally too, in the moment, it sucked. It was not pleasant. It was not um, something that I would wish upon anybody else. 
But now on the other side of that, looking back at it, you know, it was like it, it wasn't that bad. It could have been way worse. And I know what I like now. I know what put me in that situation. And I know what not to do to get back into that situation. I don't know what just happened there other than my computer decided to do something crazy. for. So if you were listening, I'm sorry. But like I said, it's live. Never done it before. So some things are going to happen. That's okay. Um, you know, you also got to think about strength training too. Uh, for those who do know me, I like to lift weights. I don't really like to run because that is horrible for me. You know, it doesn't feel good. Some people like to run. I like to lift weights. I feel better when I lift weights. But when you're putting your body under pressure and strain and you're putting the weight on, you're getting the reps in, you're breaking down the muscle tissue and you're ripping it apart. Literally, you're ripping your muscle tissue apart. So it could heal and grow back stronger. Uh, And when you run, right, you're exercising your lungs and your lungs capacity to expand and contract in your your circulatory system and your muscular system and your bone structure. And it all is taking a compounding uh, stress. And all that together, you know, makes you a healthier person. So even in nature that we are talking about, All the stressors and the pain and the discomfort that people go through, in the end, it's going to make you a healthier and better person. So even though mentally our brains may not be able to wrap our head around what's going on in our mind, you know, we may have a lot of discouraging thoughts, you know, nothing's more discouraging to a person than themselves. And then in the day of technology today, we have people who do come in and post online horrible and hateful stuff to other people. Um, I was watching another YouTuber. His name is Omar Gosh, and um, he does like paranormal stuff. I was watching him and he was actually breaking down crying on the camera because somebody was going into this guy's neighborhood, posting up signs, talking about how he's a fraud and he's hateful and all this other stuff. And I've never witnessed anything and I don't know him personally or anything else like that. But at the same time, if you're comfortable about doing that, you know, that really says something about a society. And we feel like because people put themselves out there, they're subject to more criticism. That may be true. But at the same time, you know, I think we should probably just, yeah. You know, my mom always told me, if you don't have anything nice, just don't say anything at all. It's pretty, it's pretty simple, right? It's a pretty simple rule. And I think with technology, we forget that. Um, I don't like to talk bad about anybody. So oftentimes, if someone's talking to me about something or if they ask me about somebody, if I don't have anything nice to say, I just won't talk about it because I don't want to talk bad about anybody. It's just, it's not nice for me. Uh, I think it says a lot about you as a person. And then, you know, I don't need to discredit anybody else. They can do that on their own and they don't need any help. But anyway, so, you know, as we, as we get to the topic of enduring the hard times, you know who you are at the end of it. And we're constantly going through this phase of going through a hard time, coming out of the hard time. And if you were to take your entire life and plot it out on a graph Right. So you're like, okay, from a scale of negative five to positive five, one being neutral, all your ups and your downs, right? Over the course of time, that would look like a heartbeat. 
and the heartbeat on a graph is good because in the medical world, a heartbeat on a graph means that you're alive. So the good news is, is that through this all, everything that you endure, it means you're alive and you're participating in life. You know, if you have a flat line of your good times and your bad times, and they're all the same, then you're dead. There's nothing going on there. There's nothing happening. So if you're a leader and you see this going on when somebody else's life and they appear to be dead, they appear to just be skating through, you know, give them a little defibrillator and a jolt of energy and help them out, help them through it. Uh, sometimes they're not going to listen to you. Sometimes you just need to be there to listen to them and hear what they have to say. Sometimes listening is more powerful than saying anything at all. Um, I don't know how many people have actually dealt with somebody who has lost, not really dealt with anybody. It's a horrible phrase. Um, anybody who has encountered somebody who has lost a loved one that's been really close to them. You know, there's, unless you've lost a loved one, and even if you have, you don't know how that other person's feeling. So there's really nothing that you can say in that moment that's going to make that person feel any better or anything else. But yet, inherently, they're going to have a need to want to talk. And, and you know, there's therapists out there for that. But as leaders in the workplace, you know, there's going to be people who are going to want to bring their problems to you. And I've worked with some leaders who they don't want anybody to bring their problems to them because they're only work focused. They're only focused on, am I meeting my key objectives? Am I meeting my goals? Am I meeting the things that I need to make to make my job successful and the organization successful? And they overlook the human factor. So it's incredibly important that, you know, as we are leaders and we have people who trust us enough to bring these problems to our attention and they seem to be flatlined in life and they're stuck in the moment, uh, you know, listening to somebody could be a perfect, um, you know, way that you can revitalize them because now they're, as they're sharing that with you, they're also getting life back into themselves and they're thinking through the problem as they're sharing their problem with you. And sometimes there's going to be nothing that you can do. You know, you just listen and you may provide some advice here and there. And if they don't listen, they don't listen. And there's nothing you could do about it. Um, I would say though, that if somebody is in a position where they eventually you invested a lot of time and energy in somebody and they, you feel like they just turned their back on you, and you feel like, man, this person really did me wrong, even even though I did so much for them. At the end of the day, you didn't get robbed of anything. If anything, you got blessed by that. Because by pouring into somebody else and investing into somebody else, you also learn a lot more about yourself. And other people who are around you and on the outside looking in, can look and they, they'll see, man, you know what? This person did nothing wrong. You know, that other person just also has the other person just has an issue. So, you know, with that, I would say, go ahead and, you know, feel what you got to feel, 
but then also take a step back and go, you know what? I did everything I could do. And this person, even though they chose to walk away and go a different route in life and choose another organization to work with, they're still better off for it. So you're still a part of their life. And no matter where they go, they're going to remember where they got their initial skills from. So uh, I do want to take a brief moment to say thank you to, uh, I think it's MCR ab Tim uh, MCR. I, I, for, I don't know how to pronounce it, man, but thank you for joining in the room. And Sue's 11. Thank you for being in here. And then, uh, will from the red carpet thank you for staying on here and supporting the show as well if you haven't uh taken a moment uh for any of you who just tuned into the show and listen uh go ahead and if if you like this podcast or you like what we're talking about go ahead subscribe and then we also have a youtube page and a facebook page where we post stuff so you just type in tim stay in the obvious and take a look at it there i'm gonna take a brief second to get some water because my uh voice is kind of raspy real quick but take a moment and listen to this for a second this is tim staten with tim stating the obvious what is this podcast about it's simple you are entitled to great leadership everywhere you go whether it's to church whether it's to work whether it's at your house you are entitled to great leadership and so in this podcast we take leadership principles and theories and turn them into everyday relatable and usable advice Okay, so M-O-S-D-S-K, you called in and that person ended. So if anybody else is on the line uh, and you got a question or a comment or anything else about the topic that we're talking about, I'm here. Uh, We can interact with it. I know you're not just listening to the live show. You might be. You might just be listening to the live show just to say, hey, what, what is this guy talking about? Uh, what is this person about? What is the show ab- ab- is about? And honestly, the show is about uh, providing everyday leadership and advice. And hopefully at the end of the show, you can, um, you know, walk away and say, you know what? I got something that I can put in my own tool bag and incorporate that in my own leadership style. Uh, if you can, that's great. And if it reaches one person, that's awesome. If it reaches three or four, Excuse me. That's good too. If it reaches nobody, I'll still do it because I just enjoy, uh, you know, putting it, putting good vibes and good positive uh, stuff out there. So really, um, you know, when you're talking about hard times and you're talking about enduring and getting through it. It definitely isn't. Uh, it, it definitely is uncomfortable in the moment, but at the same time, you know, I've said this several times throughout the show, and I know it's getting repetitive, but you will definitely be better off for it. Um, and so I saw that uh, MOS DSK came back into the studio. I know you tried to call in. Uh, if you want to call back, you can. Uh, and will, if there's anything on the story that you want to share. Uh, you're more than welcome to call in if you can. I know you're probably cutting hair right now in the middle of it, and you're just paused for a second and kind of looked at the phone. I was like, you know what, really? He's just going to call me out like this? Okay. He knows I'm cutting hair. He knows I'm booked up for the day. But that's all right. Um, So I, I do appreciate everyone from tuning into the show, I my podcast. Oh, Will, you called in. All right, man. 
Will, you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, Will. What's up? Okay, man. Yeah, you um, you definitely hit the um, you definitely hit me on the head, man, and it definitely helped me out over here. I try to put it on the big speaker so everybody can hear it. Um, then they know they'll understand how it feels for me to be a leader or, or owner of the business and what I need them to do if somebody's slacking, you know, and what I go through. So, so well, I, I would say then, um, with, with the people you do have there now, and I know you just went through that one incident this past couple of weeks, but I would say for you as the owner, what is the most difficult thing that you have to deal with every day? Uh, the, the inconsistency, the inconsistency of um, people being in place on time or just just not in position. That, that's hard. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so you would think, um, and this is just me looking on the outside in, right? So if I am a barber and I, and, and that's what I like to do and that's my passion. So I'm going to show up to work every day. And I think most people use Booksy or they call in and they have different apps where they manage their own schedules. And then I know that there's also probably like a, um, a walk-in base where like, hey, I need people to be here in case somebody does walk in. So with that, um, I, I, would, I would say that uh, the person, the people should be motivated enough to show up to work so they can get paid, no? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, yeah it should be. It should be that way. Um but I guess when I guess when you're your own boss and you make your own schedule, you forget about actually the business. They become like kind of selfish. Because if, if I come in every day and I'm completely booked up from 6:30 in the morning to 7 p.m., there's no way I should be even answering the phone or getting a walk-in. You know, you try to train them up to be in spots or be in here when you're full. It's, it's kind of hard. I don't know what people need from a day-to-day basis. If I knew that, then I'd probably be better off. So, so, so I guess the question is, is you're saying that you don't know what the employees need on a day-by-day basis, day-by-day basis to be motivated to show up to work? Yes, sir. So, I, I guess I would ask, um, besides, you know, them, them cutting their, their hair. Oh, one second, man. Hey, so I just muted you just for one second because it got kind of loud. But um, I, I would say, you know, what type of incentive do they have to show up? Right. So one, they have the the sheer monetary value of showing up. But two, I would say from a, a personal standpoint of pride in your own in their own work is how do we instill pride in people so that they want to to be the best all the time because that's who they are um you know as a barber i would i would assume i don't know because i'm not one uh you make your reputation based on every single haircut based on every single interaction with the customer all the time so if you have an off day you know you're really gonna have to up your game the next time and up your standpoint and your stance the next time, just so that 
you can earn the respect of that customer back. Um, I, I know this personally, and I've talked to you about it. I will not, I would rather get my hair cut by somebody who is less talented than a more talented person. I'm not saying that's the case now because, Will, you are super talented. I'm just saying in general. I would rather get my hair cut by somebody who is less talented but shows me more respect as a person and an individual and values me in my time. So I guess my question is for for you and in, in your organization, um, you know, I, I would suggest probably how do we instill that personal sense of pride uh i don't know that's what i'm I'm listening for i, I try and like if they get here early i buy breakfast i buy lunch if they stay late i buy dinner uh if people come by selling like different types of products or equipment we could use i buy them something i just you know i do i go above and beyond but i i just can't get in the mind of some people it's like they their own boss under contract under my business, so I'm trying to I'm trying to understand or figure out from others what I could do to, to get them here. So, so just out of curiosity, what what is your ratio to walk-ins versus appointment based? Okay, um, everybody do appointments, but maybe maybe every two hours we'll get six people six walk-ins um and every other hour some of them guys have an appointment as far as me being booked from 6 30 in the morning to 7 p.m at night sometimes i have i got to squeeze in a walk-in or two to pick up the slack so they don't walk out so okay so so I, I would, you know, this is just me just brainstorming here off off the cuff here. But have you thought about a, a ratio for each of your employees to be like, okay, look, if you cut um, outside of your appointments, if you cut, let's say you get like nine walk-ins that day, whoever cuts the most of those walk-ins gets a certain percentage at a bonus at the end of the day. Oh, that sounds good. So, so now, so now that would be incentivizing. I got my normal customers that I'm going to take care of, but now I'm also incentivizing the the walk-in customer as well because I have a personal invested interest in cutting as many walk-ins as possible because I know at the end of the day I'm going to get a little bit of a bonus, and then if you track that, that might help uh, your your walk-ins. That's, that, that's, I know he's important there. I'm thinking of everything else when I should have. That, that made good sense. So, I mean, that was just something that I was just thinking about at the top of my head because I know sometimes that, um, you know, when, when as we look at businesses, and I just finished my Lean Six Sigma Black Belt course, so I kind of look at everything through a different lens now because this, this actual course was super... Uh, beneficial and and knowing analytics and data and if I'm looking at specific data pieces that I want to improve I have to incentivize those data points so that way I get the most out of that 
That's what I needed. And I got it. I got to get back to this chair, but I'm still going to be listening, okay, Mr. Uh, all right. No, thanks for calling in. I appreciate right, it. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. I'm going to still be listening. All right. All right. Hey, Will, so thanks for calling in to the show. Um, so, you know, as, you know, we're talking about in during the hard times, um, you know, when, when you take a look at businesses too, right, businesses go through ebb and flows. They also have heartbeats. The, the other thing to take a look at with that is what are your objectives of your organization? So if you're taking a look at the objectives and the key performance goals of that organization, let's say the goal is to grow the business by 5% for next year. Well, what, what does that mean? So, you know, you have to clearly identify what you're looking for. You have to look at all the data factors that plug into what makes your organization tick, what what your competition looks like, and then also, you know, what what does the end customer want? What does the what is the customer looking for from you and are you meeting those customers' needs? And I would say uh if you find a a decline in in that flow of of what you're looking for, you're not meeting your customers' needs. You you're going to have to take a look at the data point and say, okay, I'm going to fix, you know, these areas because the data shows that if I improve in these areas, then my profitability is going to also increase. And that's just kind of like the general basic terms of, you know, a little bit of analysis on that. But, you know, definitely what I do is if I'm ever finding an area where I'm having a hard time motivating people to get to a certain performance level, I look at, you know, maybe, maybe money is not right. The, maybe money is not right. The right thing to help motivate people. Cause sometimes they're just like, Hey, I'm good with what I got. Maybe it's more time off. Maybe it is, um, training and education. Maybe people are looking to get more educated and more trained in a specific skill set. So if I incentivize that and say, okay, well, if you improve on customer service on the help desk by 20%, and when I mean by improve, I'm talking about your customer service satisfaction uh, surveys and results, your CSATs. Um, when we take a look at that, the more I get back from that and by each individual, I can say, okay, I will pay for this course or we'll send you to this class, or we'll go ahead and give you this much time off because, you know, as people go through hard times, sometimes they don't need more money. Sometimes they just need time to think and decompress and, uh, you know, just kind of breathe. So, you know, just, just spitballing it here. That's, that's kind of like my take on that. And, um, we're coming up on the 40 minute mark and this is way longer than I intended it to go. I didn't think it was actually going to last that long. Uh, so for everybody who tuned in and listened to the podcast, I really appreciate you tuning in and, and taking a look at it. If you haven't subscribed, please go ahead and subscribe. And if you want to take a look at some of the canned, more scripted uh, shows, please go ahead and do that. And if you're listening to this and you're not on Podbean, then you're probably listen, listening to it on the Google App Store. Or you're listening to it on the Apple, Podbean, or the Apple Podcast Store, or you could be listening to it on YouTube. 
uh, or on Facebook. So all those places are the places where we'd like to post content and just really, you know, get a little bit back out there. Uh, so one of the most recent videos we did were like the best email uh, methods, you know, and which is better for productivity? Do you like analog or digital products? So if you, those are topics that you're interested in, uh, you can find them there. Lastly, I really am interested about your stories and what you have uh, to say. So any topic that you want to talk about, let me know and I'll put it on the show. Like, Will, this morning we talked about it. It was, it just happened to be related to what we were talking about today. And I actually planned this episode not to go live, but to talk about this topic. I actually planned this eight months ago that I was going to talk about it this weekend. So that's kind of interesting how everything comes together and everything happens for a reason. Again, tying into hard times, everything happens for a reason. It defines you of who you are as a person. It lets you know who you are as a person and it lets you know what you can go through.